0: What's up, everybody? Welcome to the House of Mario, the South Australian Nintendo podcast that is backed by 120 Power Star Rating. I'm your host, Drew Agnew, and the doors to episode 142 are open. This week on the show, we're going to be going over Pokemon Go Community Day news. Unreal Engine 5 is compatible with Nintendo Switch and some thoughts on Xenoblade Chronicles from certain outlets previews. But before all that, I hope you're all doing well. I hope you're all uh, putting up with the the circumstances the world is in at the moment, and I uh, hope you're getting some good weather down here in South Australia. It's uh, you know it's coming into winter. And it's very wet, very windy. I've actually had to turn down the mic gain a little bit because it's uh, the tree outside is blowing its guts out here at the house of Mario. It's just uh, quite crazy, qu- quite wild. Um, but that's quite good because. Um, I filled up the woodshed with lots of wood. It's an opportunity to turn on the fireplace and uh, enjoy some video games. Maybe catch up on some stuff from last holiday, which we which I haven't got around to yet. Which is a fair bit, mind you, because um, this this time of year has come into a little bit quieter time of year where I can I'm not so physically tired all the time, and I can sort of uh, put some more of my effort into video games and podcasting and some of the stuff that that I enjoy, which is good. Really looking forward to it to uh, you know hopefully. Have a cozy, cozy winter. That's what I'd like to do. Um, But before we get into what I've been playing, I want to remind you guys that you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. It really does help the show out out a lot. And if you leave a review, you can be featured on this very show and we'll read it out aloud and you can be a part of it, which is always fun. It's always fun to be a, a part of podcasts. So yeah, go over to Apple Podcasts, leave a review, help out the show and uh, be a part of the uh, episode, or the week of the episode, <laughs> to, the, to the review, I guess. Um, and it does help out a lot. Uh, this week, we were fluctuating in the uh, video game podcasts for Australia. We were actually at number 23. And throughout the rest of the week, we went down, 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 down. Um, just because of basically when you upload an episode, you know, when other episodes come out, it's going to it's gonna go up and down. And we are uh, staying in the top 100 pretty well. Um, We're not in there at the time of recording right now, but when this episode goes up, we might go back in. We might not. I don't know. It's kind of a fluctuating thing, but it is cool to see us up there. We're we're sort of maintaining uh, a position in there, which is awesome to see. So, um, every review helps keep us in there. And if you are from the US or another country outside of Australia, um, I don't think we've been in... Um, the charts in another territory I do. I did see in Denmark we're in the uh, one for Denmark so if there's any Denmark listeners out there thank you very much thank you very much uh, for uh, keeping us up there it's really cool um, seeing us in sort of uh, charts in other countries especially countries which I haven't been to I don't know what it's like in Denmark but I'm sure it's a very nice country well it has to be a nice country there's at least uh, two people listening to us over there I, don't, I, haven't, I haven't seen the stats or anything but that's a, that's a rough guess I don't know no idea. Any Denmark listeners, uh, write in and tell us about your country. I don't know. But so, so <laughs> as far as stuff I've been playing, so I've been playing Spyro Trilogy on the Nintendo Switch. Uh, a month or so ago, I bought it at half price on the eShop sale and I got it down even further with my, my Nintendo credits through uh, getting accumulated through buying stuff through the Nintendo eShop. And I jumped into the first game and I played it for about an hour and... My main takeaway is like it, 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 I had fun with it, um, but for some reason after the hour, I had to turn it off. I had to switch to a different game because I was getting sort of motion sick thro- um, from playing it. And that I haven't been motion sick from playing a video game for a very long time. Um, the first time I sort of remember is when I first got my Xbox 360 and I got Call of Duty Modern Warfare One and I hooked it up to a non HD TV and I was playing that way and it was pretty much the same thing after an hour I'm like alright I've got to do something else because uh, one I wasn't that used to first person games at the time I hadn't really been used to playing them it was mainly like third person stuff whether it was like GTA or um, Mario games or Pokemon games or like whatever I hadn't been playing a lot of first person games so that was a part of it but it was also just maybe um, how that TV was sort of displaying the frames and everything um, so, I think that's a similar thing that, that's happened with Spyro in my case. I was playing that on uh, in docked mode on my uh, comp- computer monitors and after a while, I just felt kind of sick. I had to jump out. Um, so, I'm not sure if that that's a, s- sort of the case with the Switch port, it's just running at a lower frame rate and that's what sort of uh, hurt my eyes or not. But um, it is a bit of a shame because it kind of makes me a bit reluctant to jump back into it. But the hour I did play, I really did enjoy it. Um, I hadn't played Spyro in years. Spyro is a sort of a, a franchise I have I have a decent amount of love for. I never owned it myself because I didn't own a PlayStation 1. But sort of my memories of Spyro uh, back on the PlayStation 1 was uh, going to friends places and these friends, like a, a lot of friends my age had a Nintendo 64. We'll be, be playing Mario and Pokemon Stadium, stuff like that. But my older friends, they seem to have a PlayStation 1 and they all had chipped PlayStation 1, so they all had a lot of games to play. And Spyro was one where I went to and they had a a, a burnt copy of Spyro. And for some reason, it always um, bugged up basically when It bugged up when I went to the second world. So every time it would freeze as I'm going through the portal to the second world, I'm like, all right, so I restart it. Um, It never saved the progress or anything. Maybe I could have saved the progress, but it probably wouldn't have mattered anyway because I would have had to, uh, it would have frozen when I tried to progress anyway. So that's kind of my memories of Spyro, just playing 40 minutes or so, going to the next world. uh, It freezes. All right, cool. Um, And just. (laughs) going on just restarting doing it it's kind of like Groundhog Day just loop the loop going again and again and again so that's sort of my memories of Spyro so it is cool to go back and actually play it properly with my own copy obviously the the remaster looks a lot nicer even on Switch it does sort of have sort of a it does kind of look blurry compared to the other versions I noticed playing it at PAX uh, last year on the Nintendo Switch Lite I kind of thought that maybe it was the Switch Lite if it was making it look a bit blurry Um just not playing it on a TV or the normal Switch itself. But um, even in docked mode, it does look a bit blurry. It doesn't have that crisp sort of nice look that, you know, the, the PlayStation the Xbox One version have. But, I mean, if you can get it for cheap and it is it is the perfect place to sort of play Spyro just in handheld mode, maybe while watching YouTube or something like that. That's That's sort of how I was playing it. Um, I can't sort of talk about how it was in handheld mode. I never actually took it out of the dock, which is kind of rare for me. Usually, I'm playing it all in uh, handheld mode rather than playing it on the dock. But uh, yeah, pretty cool. Yeah, it's just uh, I'll play it again. I'll report back whether it's uh, the game itself or maybe just my eyes um, that made me sort of go like that. But afterwards, I jumped to Super Smash Bros and... Like Super Smash Bros, it looks so crisp and so clear after playing Spyro. Just like I said, with that sort of glaze over Spyro, it just sort of made it look a bit muddy and took away the, like the pop and crisp. Um, you sort of you sort of used to playing like uh, Mario Odyssey and Breath of the Wild and that. Like it just has like a really nice look to a lot of these Nintendo games, which uh, the port of Spyro didn't really have, which was a bit unfortunate. But like I said, I got it for eleven dollars, so I can't complain too much. But if you're buying this full price and you do have a PlayStation or an Xbox 1. It's a bit of a it's a yeah, it's, it's kind of a hard thing to swallow if you're especially if you're not interested in playing it handheld, but if you got a Switch, you probably are pretty interested in playing it handheld um, because uh, that's uh, half the reason you might get a Switch. Um, and the other game I've been playing uh, is Hatsumiku uh Project Diva Mega Mix and this is this is a series I've really, really enjoyed over the years. I talked about it a couple of weeks ago when the demo first dropped and the release date got announced. And since then, I've been playing a lot. I probably put like four hours into it. I put a lot into it the first night I picked it up on the weekend. And it's pretty much exactly what I wanted from this type of game. Um, it's a little bit different to the versions I've been playing on PlayStation Vita and PlayStation Portable. I guess a bit of a brief history for the series is that it originated on PS... Uh, Oh, no, so on the arcade, but then it came to uh, PlayStation's uh, portable system. So it came to the PSP, and it continued on the Vita, and then it came to PlayStation Three, PS4, and now it's uh, branching for the first time to Nintendo Switch. The Project Diva series, anyway. And for 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 those that don't know, it is a, a rhythm game, and you're playing along to you're know, you're playing along to Vocaloid songs, which is kind of like it's basically like J-pop. Um, but with Vocaloid, it's uh, I guess synthetic vocals. So people actually program these vocals in. It's not a natural singer, and it's a real popular thing in Japan. You you might have seen like the concerts uh, that they've put on with like the uh, the Vocaloid characters. Uh, Hatsumiku is obviously the uh, the most popular one, as she is the uh, sort of the face of this software. Um, you can buy, but. As, as far as the actual game itself goes, you're p- pressing along to the beat or the vocals with the uh, the face buttons and you're using the sticks and the back triggers as well for like uh, some sort of different ways to interact with uh, everything that's coming on screen. It's uh, very chaotic in the way that all these um, sort of actions come on the screen um, as well as like the music video going on in the background. Like if you're watching this game and someone's playing on hard or extreme, You know, you'll be looking at it, go. What the hell is going on? What, (laughs) what on earth is happening? Uh, So, but um, I just I really enjoy the music. Uh, I heard a trailer for it like years ago, and it was enough to make me go. All right, I'm going to import um, the PlayStation uh, Vita copy from Japan because it wasn't in English uh, at the time. It was just a Japanese only title, and I bought it and I really enjoyed it. Getting through the menus in Japanese was quite difficult, but um, there's like a guide of basically like the community you wrote up a guide, so it was really easy to sort of navigate the menus and that. Once you sort of uh, figured out what was what, and back then there was a there was sort of a mini game where uh, you could like interact with the Vocaloid characters, and that this this involved like setting up a room for them with furniture they liked. It was like a it's like Nintendo's. You could pat them, you could. Um, I think he could feed them like it was really weird like it was like peak japanese weirdness cuz I'm like why am I patting this girl and usually like <laughs> I was after the platinum trophy in in those games so and there was a lot of trophies associated with not the the bit that I enjoyed that was like the the rhythm game itself but there's a lot of there's a lot of <laughs> trophies involved with like uh, getting your friendship level up with all of the Vocaloid characters and buying all of the furniture, buying all of the headwear, and it—it it kind of—it uh, it made it so I never got the platinum trophy in any of the PlayStation titles, which was a bit of a shame because it was a lot of fun going through the game and um, like beating all the uh, songs on hard, um, getting a perfect score, like doing like those things were fun. They were a lot of fun to do, but. Um, yeah, I, I didn't jive too much with like um, Pat Hatsumiku every day to get your friendship level. And like you got to do that for like a long time. Like that's, it's not even like a month thing. It's like a, a two month thing. And also with, with those games, they're, they're probably, they were my most played games on PlayStation Vita. So um, I really did associate this game with the PlayStation ecosystem and everything. So when I saw the game, Uh, the series was coming over to Nintendo Switch, really excited. This was like one of my top 10 favorite series, really enjoy it. Just like jumping into it when I feel like um, playing a rhythm game. And this does away with all of the the padding of uh, the Vocaloid characters. And it is purely just all about the rhythm game section, which is fantastic. There's heaps of costumes to collect for all of the characters and like, it, it, it is fun sort of um, un- unlocking them slowly. You just basically earn credits and then you can buy them. And what I'm doing is uh, each song has a, su- a suggested costume to use uh, for the actual costume they use in that music video. And if you use that costume, it actually gives you some more uh, bonus points as such, um, which is really, really quite useful. Um, so, yeah, I'm just going through and uh, playing, playing that. And... Uh, Yeah, just going through all the songs. I think I've finished like 50 songs on hard and I'm just like slowly going through them. I've beaten some harder songs which took me like probably an hour or maybe two hours just constantly trying and trying again and uh, I'm quite rusty so there's some some songs where I'm like, oh, come on, I can do this but it's just uh, not coming to me at the moment which is uh, kind of annoying. But yeah, I really do suggest this game if you're into uh, rhythm games. It's a lot of fun. it's really addictive. Uh, it is for me anyway. Like I just get at the urge. Like I'm, I want to play some Hatsumiku Miku uh, Mega Mix, so I jump into that. And uh, like you won't like it if you don't like the music. Um, so yeah, maybe try the demo. The demos on the eShop at the moment. So going to give that a give it a well. And I also did notice as um, when I was watching a, a Twitch stream, just seeing how many people are actually playing this game on Twitch. That uh, you can change the symbols from the ABXY uh, symbols of the Nintendo Switch buttons, and you can actually swap them to the uh, the sacred symbols on the like the PlayStation controller. So if you're used to playing these games on PlayStation, which a lot of people are, including myself, you can easily change the symbols back to what you're used to. Um, so the yeah the X square triangle and uh, circle. Um, so yeah, I noticed uh, yeah people w- were doing that, and if you've put like like hundreds of hours into like perfecting your skills and then like you're swapping to like completely different symbols. And cause like quite, quite often I would accidentally press B instead of X because the PlayStation also has an X button at the bottom rather than the top. Um, so I've sort of like gotten used to it with the, the new switch buttons, but that, that, that was something that did strike me at, at first. So, yeah, definitely uh, definitely give it a look, look in if you're interested in rhythm games and you like J-pop because J-pop music is just so catchy and I think it's a lot of fun. I think uh, I think a, a few of you will enjoy it if you're into sort of uh, pop music. But if you're not into that uh, that weeb shit, as some people call it, uh, definitely not your game. <laughs> definitely not your game. And uh, I did say that it was number seven on uh, the Australian eShop for... Uh, was it uh, digital exclusive games so you know it's it's at least staying in the top 10 for that section it's not in the top 10 section for overall but it is good to see it at least somewhere at least for the first two weeks in those charts so that's that's what I've been playing I've been playing Pokemon Go news but we're about to jump into some uh, Pokemon Go news in a little while so I'll sort of uh, wrap it into that so without further ado let's jump into the news <laughs> Yeah. Bica, bica. Is that all? all right. I fight for my friends. My body is still. So a few weeks ago, I, I talked about Reggie, and he's starting a brand new podcast called "Talking Games" with Reggie and Harold. And he has actually released episode one, talking about. Um, He talks about some of his experiences at Nintendo and he also talks about sort of what he's doing with the podcast and how he's going to help young people sort of uh, develop skills and uh, get out of the situations they're in. Um, So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play one minute from episode one of his new podcast and I've got a snippet here at 15 minutes and 30 seconds into the show. So I'll play that and we'll uh, talk about it a little bit more here we go
1: you definitely did uh, so we'll fast forward a bit and ask why did you join the new york video game critics Circle? video games you know even though i'm not employed in this industry i guess now maybe tangentially as a board member for gamestop but you know video games have been a passion for me i played with my kids i was a player and a fan long before i became an employee And I was aware of the fantastic work the Circle was doing, using video games to engage with young people, to help them with their writing skills, their creative thinking skills. You know, the fact that the work is being done largely in the Bronx, where I was born and spent the first eight years of my life. For me, it was a fantastic opportunity to leverage my passion, leverage what I've done for almost half my life, and to use it as a way to now give back to the community through the power of gaming, through the power of what the Circle does. To me, it was just a tremendous opportunity. And oh, by the way, Harold, you did a good job twisting my arm as well.
0: <laughs> it, was, uh, it was a team All right. So basically, what Reggie's doing is he's fundraising uh, for the New York Game Critics Circle. So he's a part of that. And um, I bet I listened to episode one. It goes for 50 minutes. And if you're interested in listening to it, it's on SoundCloud. And there is a link in the show notes. And I do really do recommend it. Like just from a fan perspective of enjoying what Reggie does, it is really cool listening to um, him and uh, Harold sort of talk about what they're they their <laughs> – their passions are and being able to help these kids. And after this finished, it actually kept playing throughout different episodes on SoundCloud and what they had uh, kids on who are part of their program and talking about the games they're playing and everything. And I think it's just a fantastic thing they're doing is like giving these kids an opportunity to be able to write, talk about video games and sort of let their passion for games really drive um, their education and their learning because I know just doing this podcast the amount of uh, I, uh I, the amount of sort of confidence and um being able to develop my skills just talking um in front of a microphone it sounds silly, but it really does help a lot and these guys just giving uh, these kids a platform to be able to talk about video games and the things they love is really, really, I think, quite powerful. Um, but even, even apart from that, just having a just having a platform where you can hear Reggie talk about um, some interesting sort of uh, things you've never heard before is just it's really cool. So I definitely urge you guys go and give it a go and give it a listen. And uh, yeah, I've, yeah, I thought it would just be cool to uh, bring it up, put it in uh, everyone's uh, attention who uh, listens to this show. So, moving on, we've got some Pokemon Go Community Day news. And this is from PokemonGoLive.com. And it says, Trainers, remember voting for the featured Pokemon for February Community Day? Well, we're bringing it back with a twist. From May uh, 23rd to May 24th, you'll be able to vote uh, for the Pokemon you'd like featured via Twitter. The two Pokemon that received the most votes will go on to be featured during the next community days with the Pokemon with the most votes featured in June and the runner up in July. So the Pokemon Go community day candidates are Squirtle, Weedle, Sandshrew and Ghastly. And I want to go through some of the details of each Pokemon and sort of the exclusive moves you'll also be able to get with them. So Squirtle, if you evolve it into Wartortle within two hours of the community Day, uh, you'll get Blastoise, and it knows the Fighting Attack Aura Sphere. Uh, Weedle, if you evolve it into uh, Beedrill, will know the Ground-type move, uh, Drill Run. Uh, Sandshrew, you'll be able to get the Kanto version and the Alolan Form version. And Sandshrew will know the Ghost Attack Shadow Claw. And Ghastly, if you evolve it into um, its last form, Gengar, it will know the exclusive form Shadow Punch. So basically, if, if you're not familiar with Pokemon Go Community Days, um, the Pokemon is introduced. You can catch it in mass amounts. Uh, if you evolve it, it'll learn an exclusive move for that day, which you, you usually can't get. And it has a much higher chance of being shiny. And at first, when I looked at this, I I voted for Squirtle because I'm like, oh, Squirtle? Squirtle would be a great Pokemon to have. Uh, shiny. But sort of looking around the community and everything, it seems like Weedle is going to be the most popular choice. And after reading everyone's opinions, my so- I sort of agree. So I'm going to probably vote for Weedle as well. And the reason is, is Weedle is the only Pokemon out of these four who haven't been introduced um, as a Shiny in the game. In Pokemon Go, uh, not all Pokemon are available as Shiny. They sort of get unlocked slowly as time goes on. So, Weedle is not shiny at the moment, whereas the others are. Um, Squirtle, in fact, has been shiny many times. Not since I've been playing the game. I don't have one, but apparently it's been shiny many times, including a community day last December where um, it was featured among like 12 other Pokemon. That was like a mass uh, mass, uh, shiny sort of community day. And also... The uh, exclusive move Drill Run uh, makes Speed Drill a lot stronger. It can hold its own against some of the mo- more dominant threats in the uh, in the Pokemon Go Battle League as well. Um, it's super effective against Fire, um, Steel types, and uh, just general weaknesses. Build B Drill has. So, sort of hearing those opinions, I'm like, alright, I'm, pro- I'm probably going to go with Weedle, um, even though like Weedle isn't the most exciting Pokemon. But I guess uh, these others aren't either, really. Apart from apart from Squirtle, I do have a Shiny Ghastly, so I'm kind of like, mm, not too, not too keen on getting. I don't really need another one. And also, apparently, there was a there was like a, a big raid event for Gengar, and it was really easy to get shinies from that as well. So, um, this, the commu- so basically the community has spoken, and uh, they want Weedle. But it seems like from the Pokemon Go uh, Twitter account that they had sort of a dummy vote. They said, if the if the vote was today, w- what would you guys vote for? And Gasly actually won. Um, so there's a there's a big uh, landslide for for Gasly. Um, Weedle came second out of that, then Squirtle, then Sandshrew. Um, so, yeah. I think Sandshrew would be really cool because you get both forms, so you'd be able to get the Kanto version and the Alolan form. So you'll be you'd be able to potentially get shinies of both. So you'd be able to kind... It's kind of like getting two different shiny Pokemon, um, which would be cool. But after hearing everyone's sort of opinions on uh, the shiny Weedle, because there is no shiny, shiny Weedle at the moment, that'd be a, a absolutely fantastic get. Uh, moving on with Pokemon News. So this is Pokemon... Oh, not Pokemon Life. This is Nintendo Life. And the article is, uh, the fifth episode of Pokemon Twilight Rings is delayed due to coronavirus outbreak. The article reads: The following on from the drama caused by the fourth episode of Pokémon Twilight Rings for featuring the original Pokémon generation Pokémon Dugon, the Pokémon Company has now announced the fifth episode of the anime short series has been delayed. The official Japanese Pokémon Twitter account revealed how it was scheduled to release this month, but now will air on the fifth of June. The the delay, as the headline suggests, is due to the a coronavirus outbreak. There is no mention if this will impact the release date of future episodes, but if we hear anything, we'll be sure to let you know. In the meantime, you can always re-watch the last episodes of uh, the show on Pokemon on <coughs> on Pokemon on Pokemon's YouTube channel. I don't know why I couldn't get that out. Um, so yeah, a bit of a delay on that because of uh, everything that's going on. It's fair enough. It's not that much of a delay. It's only a week or so, so it's not too much of a big deal. And I don't think, as cool as these videos are, no one's actually like itching and really bursting for these things. Um, but just backing up, I don't think we've actually talked about this on the show, is the last episode of Twilight Rings featured uh, Dugon, which is an original Pokemon from Pokemon Red and Blue. And Dugon is not actually available in Pokemon Sword and Shield. And this is kind of going on with what's happened with uh, <laughs> with the, the Bring Back National decks. So there are still people out there who are, um, passionate to bring back all the Pokemon, and seeing a Pokemon that's not available in Sword and Shield in Gala really uh, set people off. Um, you know, it, people know what my my thoughts on it were, and um, seeing a Pokemon for like two seconds in a short film uh, really, really uh, doesn't really bother me <laughs> at the moment. Um, it, well, it'll probably never bother me. Like, who cares? Like, Dugons in there, maybe, maybe. Uh, Maybe someone brought him from Kanto. I don't know. Who cares? Who cares? But yeah, a bit of a delay on Pokemon Twilight Rings. <laughs> Twilight Rings. <laughs> Twilight Wings. Um, so yeah, be cool to see that in a, in a week or so in on June 5th. Uh, this is from the Pokemon.com itself and there's been a Pokemon Players Cup announced. So the article reads, the Pokemon Players Cup is an online tournament take, taking place from June through to August, in which players from around the world will compete to prove they're the best and win travel awards to future Pokémon International Championships. Uh, In the Pokémon Players' Cup, there will be separate competitions for the Pokémon trading card game, Pokémon Sword and Pokémon Shield and Pokémon Tournament DX. The Pokémon Sword and Shield competition will use the standard Pokémon video game championship VGC rules. The Pokémon Players' Cup is limited to Masters Division players only, Additional eligibility eligibility uh, rules may apply. The Pokemon Players Cup will take place over several phases. Be sure to check out Pokemon TCG Players, Pokemon Sword and Shield uh, Players Cup, and the Pokken Tournament DX uh, Pokemon Players Cup pages. Uh, schedule information and more. Uh, the players who come out on top come out in the top qualify qualification stages will be eligible to compete in the final stage of the Pokemon Players Cup in August. Matches will also be broadcast on the official Pokemon Twitch and YouTube channels Uh, Learn More Information page. And so basically to qualify for the Pokemon Cup finals, uh, from the Pokemon Players Cup three competitions, the following numbers of players will be selected to compete in the finals. So for the Pokemon card training game, uh, four players from North North America uh, online qualified. Four players from uh, the Europe uh, Pokemon Players Cup. Four players from Latin America and three players from Oceania. So if you're trying to get in there from the Australian side of things, there's one less person that can go, which is, uh, I guess, kind of sucks. And like Oceania, that includes like Japan in that too. So you know, that's, uh, there can be some steep competition to. Uh, get uh, qualified for this, but also for Pokemon Sword and Shield, it's very much the same thing. And Pokemon XD as well. Oh, Pokemon XD. It's actually one person from the Oceania region. So that's pretty crazy. Uh, The prizes will be, so the Pokemon trading card game online, uh, top four players will receive a travel award to a future international championship of their choosing. So it doesn't have to be necessarily next year or the year after you can sort of choose when you're ready to go. Uh, Pokémon Sword and Shield: The top four players will receive a travel award for a future international championship, and it's the same for Pokémon Tournament XD. And eligible TCG players who uh, participate in the online regional online qualifiers receive a special in-game deck box and sleeves. So that's cool; you get free stuff if you uh, qualify there. And if you're interested in uh, participating, make sure you sign up in-game Pokémon Sword and Shield, and uh, also for the Pokemon trading card game. It is interesting that this is going to be the first time a Pokemon trading card game um, is doing a tournament via its online client. Um, If you're sort of into the trading card game, which I, I sort of want to get into it, but the problem is with the online client is it's very basic. It's handled by uh, an external team outside of Pokemon Company. They sort of just uh, pay them to uh, make it and keep it going. And it's only a Western thing. Um, in Japan, they actually don't have an online client, so it's not really, it's not really making the Pokemon Company much money. There's no way to actually use money through the client, and you kind of think there would be that there would be like microtransactions for cards and this type of thing, but. They just use physical cards, and you can get code codes from each pack, and you put them into the game that way. There's no microtransactions through the actual client itself, and because of that, it's just a kind of like a really basic client. So it's not really that that good. It hasn't been updated in the eight years that it's been out. It came out in 2012, so um, there's there's a lot of work to be done, and them doing a whole sort of a tournament through it is uh it's going to be really interesting how it works out for them. I was listening to another podcast, uh, it's super effective which is a Pokemon podcast that I listen to when Steve on that show was uh sort of explaining explaining to uh the audience that uh there's a card that is just like broken in the game, like not because it's an overpowered card, but because it just uh the programming for it didn't work out. Instead of like, all right, we're going to fix it, they just banned it. So Decks that revolve around this card just can't be practiced with or used in this tournament, um, which is a uh, which is really weird because you think it would just be fixed. And w- with a, a sort of a company as big as the Pokemon company, you'd think like they would really, if they saw like half stone, just like really like push towards that model, like let's. Online trading card games or card games in general are a huge thing. Every Everyone's doing it. If you go to the App Store on your iPad or your Android device, you'll see hundreds of these games. And it's kind of weird how Pokemon is just sort of like, they don't see it as a big money maker. I know they've got Pokemon Go, they've got Pokemon Masters. These games are probably making a crap load of money. Pokemon Sword and Shield obviously is um, setting trends for the Pokemon series at the moment. Um, so they're making a lot of money. But I think the trading card game is something they're really overlooking at the moment, um, which is a shame because I really want to get into it. But I want to sit down on my iPad and just play it there. But just with their sort of really old-fashioned client and it's just that they don't make it very accessible. And, you know, I'm a massive Pokemon fan, so I it should it should be easy for me to get into it. So there's a lot of work to be done. So it's interesting that they <laughs> that there is going to be a tournament held through it. But as far as uh, Pokemon Sword and Shield, you will get the Ultra Ball Guy shirt. All you have to do is sign up and do one battle and you'll receive the shirt. Um, But you do have to pre-register beforehand, so make sure you uh, do that if you're interested in participating. Um, I'm interested in giving it a bit of a go uh, because, like I've been saying on previous episodes, I am really uh, excited to sort of get into the competitive Pokemon scene. But at the moment, um, especially with not much leeway for this uh, tournament, I don't think I'm going to have much of a chance with what I've got at the moment, but it will be it will be fun regardless. I think it'd be be worth jumping into. So some more Pokemon uh, Sword and Shield news. Uh, there's been max raid battle rotations. So last week was G-Max Pikachu, and I did manage to get a shiny one through um, someone hosting it on a Twitch channel. So that's cool. I've got my shiny Pikachu with a light uh, light ball, and it's gonna it's gonna rock. Uh, the competitive scene, probably not, but it's cool for my collection, nevertheless. So, um, starting from May eighteenth, so that is now as you're listening, uh, you can get a G Max EV. And beforehand, I don't have a G Max EV because I didn't have Let's Go EV uh, Save Data on my Switch, so I didn't get the gift one um, from the guy at the train station when you start the game um, through the the gift event. So now I can go and catch one, which is cool. And it's, it's cool now because you can get, it's, they're not shiny locked, so you can get a shiny one and you can get hidden ability um, ones as well. I got my hidden ability Pikachu with a, a lightning rod. So it draws in electric attacks in double battle and it just uh, does no damage. So that's really useful for a uh, Pikachu. You can sort of use it to maybe save a, an ally Pokemon that has a, maybe electric super effective against. And also on May 25th, it rotates again and it goes to GMAX Meowth. And if you don't have a GMAX Meowth because you didn't uh, get Sword and Shield while they're giving them out, it's really useful for making money. You can um, GMAX in the Pokemon League. You can use um, Meowth's uh, Signature Attack, which I've actually forgotten what it was. Um, payday becomes like, I forgot what it's called, but it, it doubles, it like doubles your amount of money and if you use an amulet coin as well which is an item that doubles your money you can make a lot of money and you can just uh, use that for pokeballs and stuff so that's kind of like how you like grind up money in the end game so really useful pokemon if you're if you're looking for that type of thing um so yeah that kind of uh, concludes the pokemon news uh so yeah really looking forward to uh pokemon community today there's actually uh the pokemon community today on this uh weekend as i'm recording so there's going to be c dot as the uh, the featured Pokemon, and like they kind of do, they're kind of doing boring Pokemon at the moment. But it kind of it makes sense because everyone's stuck inside, so you don't Niantic don't want to do a really popular Pokemon, as uh, everyone can't really do it as it's intended. So yeah. So this is an article from my Nintendo News, and the title is: As expected, Unreal Engine Five supports Nintendo Switch. The article reads, Epic Games unveiled the impressive Unreal Engine 5 earlier this week and it had had tech enthusiasts foaming at the mouth. The the company did state in the unveiling that the new engine would support a range of devices from next-gen consoles to iOS and Android. However, the Nintendo Switch wasn't explicitly stated. Eurogamer has cleared up the confusion by reporting that it will work on the Nintendo Switch, though it will be toned down (laughs) somewhat. Uh, Yeah, I I think so. Um, So the quote is, uh, Unreal Engine 5 gets its first public release early in 2021 with franchise juggernaut Fortnite transitioning across from Unreal Engine 4 later on in the same year. Unlike Unreal Engine 4, however, the new iteration of the engine isn't a clean break from the past. It has the same system target as Unreal Engine 4, meaning it will run anything from most high-end PCs to old Android and iOS devices, uh, encompassing next-generation consoles too, including Switch. Obviously, though, you can't expect the same level of fidelity as the fully-fledged next-gen experience revealed today. So it is cool that we are getting Unreal Engine 5. I know it's kind of boring tech talk for a lot of people, but... Uh, when they showed it off last week, it was really impressive, and it really impressed a lot of people. Especially after this sort of underwhelming Xbox showcase, where they showed off some games. They looked fun. They looked great. Um, I had especially I had four games where I'm like, "Wow, I'm probably going to pick these up," like, un- unless like there's like a cra- like other crazy games at the same time. I just can't fit them in. But they're pretty much from um, I guess double A publishers. So. Um, they weren't like, you know, the the Ubisoft, the EAs, like the companies that can pump a lot of money, a lot of resources into uh, these games to look, make them look as best as they can. So when we saw Unreal Engine Five running, it was just amazing. Just like the physics, the the lighting, everything about it. Just the the demo was amazing. And if you're into tech and you're into sort of um, games pushing to their maximum capacity, go go and watch the interview with Jeff Keighley over on the Game Awards YouTube channel. It was really fascinating. Um, but this did leave a lot of questions about, you know, what's going to happen with Nintendo switch going into the next generation, what's going to happen with these third party games. Um, and I got to say, like, I really, as far as third party games, like, um, stuff like tomb Raider and like the witcher and a lot of these big games, like a lot of them aren't coming to Nintendo switch anyway. That's. That's not why you've bought a Switch and that's not why you're listening to this podcast. You're not going to be like getting those big games. You've probably bought a PlayStation, an Xbox or built a PC for those types of experiences because I know I have like I bought the PlayStation 4 around launch. I upgraded to the Pro because when I sit down in front of my TV, I want um, the best prettiest version like that console or that system can run. Um, But that's not why I have my Switch. No way. (laughs) I have my Switch because mainly because of the first party titles, but also because of um, just how convenient it fits into my life, being able to pick it up, play it around the house, play it like at work, like play it wherever I can take it basically. Um, But when it comes to games like Fortnite and stuff like that, um, it is important that Unreal Engine is going to be supporting Nintendo Switch because obviously with Fortnite, as I just read from the Nintendo article, uh, Fortnite is going to be transitioning to Unreal Engine 5, and a lot of other games are going to be using Unreal Engine 5 as well. Uh, whether it's indie sort of developers developing some sort of more um, 3D-based titles, especially with sort of the, the uh, commission working with Unreal Engine, that they sort of waive the first $1 million in profit, and that is massive video game developers. Because, like, you take, for a lot of developers, they might not even reach a million dollars in sales. So if they don't have to pay for the engine, that's just all profit for them. So this is going to be absolutely unreal. Sorry, <laughs> mind the pun there. But it's going to be really useful for developers going forward. And it's great to see that it's going to be running on Nintendo Switch. And hopefully when we do get a pro version of the Nintendo Switch, maybe with the another um, Tegra X chip that runs uh runs the switch we might be we might get some more impressive uh things from the transition to unreal engine 5 as well some better performance maybe some better frame rates maybe some better physics and stuff like that um but obviously nothing like we saw in that demo that demo was uh just amazing and i can't wait until developers get their hands on it and you know going through 2022 there's going to be some uh some unreal uh looking games coming out of it so real cool stuff. All right, so let's move on. So Nintendo Enthusiast uh, wrote an article and the title is, Nintendo is set to close even more limited eShops for 3DS. Um, so the article reads, a few weeks ago, Nintendo announced that it will be shutting down some limited eShop markets for 3DS and you in countries located in Latin America and the Caribbean. Uh, now, one of Nintendo's distributors, MaxSoft, has announced that even more even more such closes, um, this time focusing on countries in the realm of Asia. The closures will affect... Uh, so, oh, I can't, why can't I get this word out? Uh, specifically, God, I don't know why I stumbled on that so much. Uh, 3DS users uh, in the countries of Saudi Arabia, Singapore, Malaysia, and United um, Arab... Um, United Arab... Uh, Emirates, I don't know why I can't say that. Um, These eShops will be shuttered on the same day in their Latin America Caribbean counterparts on July 31st, 2020. Uh, Just as in the first case of the other limited eShop closures, customers are being urged to re-download any software they may have deleted in the past. Um, Also update any existing software you have already owned on your system. Once these services are terminated, any game and update that remain not downloaded will be inaccessible. It should come as no surprise to any 3DS or Wii U owner that this is happening. Both systems have been trudging along for a good number of years now. The Wii U was discontinued in uh, 2017, just before the uh, Switch launched. 3DS has managed to hold on, but the end proves to be drawing ever nearer for the little handheld. So just a PSA for anyone out there who is listening in uh, any of those countries: make sure your stuff is downloaded on both of those systems if you do um, want to want to play them in the future. And like I said, um, when they announced it for Latin America, that it, stuff is going to be closed. It is a uh, it is worrying just uh, going forward and having so many digital only purchases on a Switch because I know I know I'm not the only one. The Switch uh, the eShop they sort of made it a lot more easier and more welcoming to uh, want to download stuff. So if come uh, 2030 and they're shutting down the Switch eShop, that's a, that's a big concern as well. Because like unlike Microsoft has never shut down any of their... Oh, they have the original Xboxes, but you can still access all of those games through the other consoles. And PlayStation, they still have PS3, um, PSN going. You can still go and download all your games and buy stuff. So... Uh, a bit worrying there, but just a PSA for you guys. I don't know how long these systems will hold on in maybe more successful markets for Nintendo, such as you know Japan and uh, America, Australia, um, maybe UK. Like these, like I guess the big countries for them. We'll see how long those consoles sort of uh, hang on to their services in those countries, because they're maybe they maybe they've only got like. No, maybe a few thousand people in each of those countries. So maybe it really wasn't worth it for them. And that's why, but regardless, download your stuff. Love of God, back it up. Uh, another article also from Nintendo Enthusiast. Uh, prices of used Switch units are now hundred dollars higher than new units in Japan. So the article reads, The global coronavirus pandemic has caused a large surge in interest surrounding the Nintendo Switch. Caught off guard by this sudden uptick in demand in a season that that is typically slower, Nintendo has been having trouble trying to match that uh, with the output of new units. Uh, This has created stock shortages in region after region but it was Nintendo's own backyard of Japan which was the first affected by such shortages, and the situation has not been subsided. As a result, some of the folks in Japan have been taking advantage of shortages to make some extra cash by charging more for used Switch units. One report by Live Door shows that the prices of used flagship Switch consoles on average is now... um, Forty-six thousand yen over in japan the regular price of an entirely new switch unit is twenty-nine thousand yen in terms of us dollars that's an increase of 100 sellers are banking on some customers being desperate enough to pay that higher price for even a used switch unit since brand new stock is still hard to come by usually uh price gouging like this happens with new stock such as what was going on in the states a few weeks ago Uh, In that case, some sellers were charging as much as $500 for a new switch unit, a markup of $200. Uh, The best way to combat hungry sellers like this is ignore their offers by coughing up the dough for um, overpriced items. Uh, It simply encourages copycat sellers. So pretty crazy that a... they're doing that much of a upcharge from the tennis switch units but we did see that like the article said in America where you go on like Facebook marketplace and people are just like selling it for like a crazy amount and um, I think people were desperate enough especially at the time like they got got nothing to do they see Animal Crossing they desperately want to play it maybe they want to get some other games as well so like you know what bugger it (laughs) I'll buy it for an extra hundred bucks and I can I can see I can see myself being in a situation where like if I didn't have a switch and I held out that long and I decided to buy one then because of what was going on I needed a bit of a boredom buster. I could you know I could I could see myself doing it. But I'm also um a big tight ass as well, so maybe I wouldn't have. I don't know. It's it's sort of hard to know, but here we are. All right, so this is an article from My Nintendo News, and this is about Animal Crossing sales once again. So this is the UK charts for Animal Crossing New Horizons, and that it still holds number one position in the UK. So the My Nintendo article reads, the latest UK video game software charts are here, and it has been quite a week in the United Kingdom for video games, as there have been no new releases. And I'm crossing New Horizons remains at number one with a 34% drop in sales week on week. Game industry reports that physical game sales in the UK fell 9% week on week to adjust to over 200,000 games sold. Here's the GFK top 10 for the week ending on the 16th of May. So, Animal Crossing has held on to number one position. The number two is Grand Theft Auto. Number four, no, sorry. Number three is Call of Duty Modern Warfare. Number four is FIFA 20. Uh, And number five is Mario Kart 8 Deluxe. Number six is uh, Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Number seven is Luigi's Mansion of Three. That's pretty cool that's holding on. Number eight is Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy. And number nine is Red Dead Redemption 2. Uh, number number ten is uh, just Dance twenty twenty. All right, but what makes what makes this interesting is obviously Grand Theft Auto five. That's never going to go out of the charts until Grand Theft Auto six comes out and maybe puts to end <laughs> some of like uh, the sales for GTA five. But usually Nintendo games um, they usually come out to a big bang in the in the UK because the UK isn't necessarily Nintendo's strongest territory. Um, mainly because uh, a lot of people don't have the history with Nintendo over there. It's a lot of Sega. It's a lot of uh, like the older consoles, and PlayStation is very dominant in the UK as well. Like since the PS One, so Nintendo doesn't usually have like um, I guess long tails on their games over there. Uh, typically, maybe that's different with the Switch. But Animal Crossing holding on to number number one position with Grand Theft Auto Five and Call of Duty just um, firmly probably like right behind them. Um, it's really impressive. I don't know how many more weeks uh, it can stay in the number one position. It'll, it'll probably more more than likely definitely stay in the top 10 for hopefully a while. Obviously we're seeing the likes of Luigi's Mansion 3 staying in the top 10. So Animal Crossing would definitely probably have the legs to stay in the top 10 um, sales charts. But number one is fantastic. So this isn't necessarily just like the first week or the first month so, all right this is great then it just peters right off we're going to see animal crossing probably stick around being a dominant force in the sales charts for the next well probably for the rest of the year like it's a it's going to be um, it's going to be interesting to see if this game can reach um, maybe 18 million by the end of the year It'd be really cool to see it do that because uh, this is a animal crossing's coming out party it's a it's a you know, almost a 20-year-old franchise, so you know it, it deserves to uh, get up there with the with the greats and some of the best-selling games of the year, which is which is absolutely nuts. All right, so moving on, a uh, this is an article from Nintendo Life, and the article and the uh, title reads "Nintendo of America files two new law set lawsuits against Switch hack resellers." And the article reads, "Nintendo's legal team is at it again." Polygon reports Nintendo of America filed two lawsuits uh, last Friday in an attempt to crack down on Switch hack resellers that sell software, allowing users to play pirated video games. Uh, The first was filed against Tom Diltz Jr., who is believed to be the operator of the website Uberclips. And the second lawsuit is targeted at a number of anonymous defendants from multiple websites. The websites of the defendants reportedly sell products from an anonymous group of hackers known as Team. Um, what's their name, Ex- Executor, okay, Executor without the E, uh, who unlawfully design and manufacture unauthorized operating system and accompany pirating tools that allow users to bypass uh, protections in place. Uh, the sole purpose of the circumvention devices of the SX, a Nintendo Switch operating system, is to hijack the Nintendo Switch by circumventing its technological measures, uh, thereby allowing the Nintendo Switch to be used for massive intellectual property theft and um, infringement. Nintendo wants, oh jeez, Nintendo wants um, uh, two and a half grand per uh, trafficking violation and is also requesting a permanent injunction to put a stop to the operation of these websites once and for all. So bigger uh, big Nintendo putting their putting their foot down trying to get rid of some uh, hacking going on and I really haven't been paying much attention to the hacking scene it like you know I think it was 2017 where it like the Switch had already been hacked through its uh, GPU or something like that I'm not 100% sure on the how how it was done but it was a it was a big worry because at the time Nintendo they finally they're finally successful again and having uh, their games be able to be pirated, that was like that was like a big oh no. I'm sure they were like shitting their pants. They didn't want a repeat of what was happening on the DS where the R4 chip was really like rampant. The piracy was just massive on the DS, and I dare say they really didn't want a repeat of that. But it seems like through the sales and uh just through talking to people who I know with Nintendo switches, a lot of them you know either don't know or aren't interested in pirating it. they're more than happy to buy their games i know I'm more than happy to buy my games because if we want games like we're getting at the moment, you know you've got to spend money, <laughs> <laughs> so absolutely fantastic, but it's uh I guess uh, the hacking hasn't become mainstream um but what i what was interesting as I said I've been interested in watching a lot of Pokemon Let's Plays and tube he's, he's doing a Let's Play, which is a completely randomized um, Pokemon Sword and Shield Let's Play. So every Pokemon that comes up is completely random. It can be a Legendary. It can be anything. Anything that's in the game, it can potentially pop up in a certain route. Uh, and I looked into it. I'm like, how did he do this? So I just typed in Pokemon Sword and Shield Randomizer and through um, a hacked OS and basically a hacked Nintendo Switch, you're able to go into the Pokemon Sword and Shield um, data and you're able to m- do anything to it. You can hack Pokemon. You can do the randomizing thing. You can move stuff around. You can you can do so much <laughs> with a hacked Switch and with the games. Like it's, it's a, I'm like, oh, no. Like the potential for hacked Pokemon in, in these games, just with how open the Switch hardware is, it's like, oh, no. Haven't come across it too much, but um, it is it is worrying. But I got to admit, I if I upgrade my Switch to a Switch Pro or a really tantalizing special edition comes out in the future, and I upgrade my Switch, my current Switch is going to get hacked. <laughs> so I can um, do the randomized challenge and do some different challenges with Pokemon. I'm not going to pirate games, definitely not. I'm not going to like do anything crazy. But um, to be able to do some of some of this, uh, I guess, let's play, let's play content, I think that'll be a lot of fun to do. Um, but, you know, I'm not. no way am I going to do that on my proper Switch. So that that's as far as the interest in hacking, I guess, Nintendo Switch goes for me. But um, as I'm going to bring up in this next article, um, yeah, I'll, I'll just, I'll, I'll read it. This is also about sort of related to hacking. So this is all from, um, also from Nintendo Life. And the title is Animal Crossing New Horizons Hackers Are Making Star Fragment Trees. <sighs> so I've, I actually haven't read this. So I'm going to be learning about it as, uh, as I read it with you guys. So unless you're glued to Animal Crossing New Horizons pretty much 24-7, collecting a decent number of star fragments can take a fair while. Uh, one of the less common crafting materials, star fragments can usually be... On, uh, oh can only be obtained by wishing on a shooting star and are used to craft special items such as the star wand, which I which I couldn't get because I didn't have any wishing pieces, which is annoying. Um, that is unless you decide to hack the game. And of course, as spotted by Animal Crossing World, a new trend has started to appear among Animal Crossing trading communities online in which special trees holding items like star fragments, hearts, cupcakes, and more are being sought for other rare goodies. Um, As keen players will know, trees cannot hold such items as this in regular play. Trees in game can hold a variety of fruit and even bells, but definitely not these rare, harder-to-obtain items. Animal Crossing World says that the save editor hacking is the method being used to make this a reality. And while we advise that you don't try this yourself, We've all heard of the horror stories of Nintendo banning systems being used to do things that they shouldn't. Uh, we must admit that this does not make for some lovely looking scenery. I bet this does so. Because, you know, they're quite pretty. You know, the star pieces on trees, you know, it's quite nice. Uh, Nintendo has been actively working against hackers in Animal Crossing, actually putting out a patch to combat them before the game even officially released. Uh, at this time, it was warned that players going online with Chiefs Active should expect bans. So this is, this is, this is my um, issue with Animal Crossing sort of in general at the moment. So before the game came out, we got the news that there was no cloud save data compatibility. We can't move our save and we can't move it up to the cloud. Why? Because Nintendo doesn't want us duplicating our items. They don't want us cheating. Cheating was pretty rampant in a new leaf on 3DS, they didn't want it to happen again through manipulating the save data on the cloud and transferring it. It's like, okay, that makes sense. Cheating, cheaters kind of makes the game dull for other people. Um, but, you know, that is that is still the case. No, None of that uh, being able to use your save on another Switch or the cloud. But the amount of hacking and cheating in Animal Crossing is just unreal at the moment, both through hacking and just like... Like at the moment, I'm just, every day I go into my town, I'm doing bits, bits, bit by bit. But then I go online and people just have unreal looking islands because they're just traveling forward. They're traveling until they get a, they get a really rare item such as the crown. Then they duplicate that item. They sell it. They get a lot of money. They do the turnips. They got enough money to do anything. They time travel forward until they just get all the cool stuff. Um And they just do it all straight away, and it it doesn't. It's kind of like it's a single player game. It doesn't really matter what other people are doing. It's not like you know you're doing like an aim assist for Call of Duty, like that is going to completely ruin your experience because it is a competitive game. But seeing people have like like stuff that I'm not going to get for like two years because I'm playing the game, which I consider the proper way. I don't consider time traveling to be legit. Like if you time travel, that, that's that's great. It doesn't affect me in any way. But apart from being envious and sort of like looking at my town and going, "Oh, it looks like crap," but it it really it kind of does take the fun out of it. And people just like upright, just hacking the game, just putting this stuff in there. And I don't know, man. It just it's it's kind of a not on. It it's uh yeah. Like I'm the only like what I can do is I can just like oh, I'm not looking at. I'm gonna like ban Animal Crossing from my Twitter because I just want to look at my own stuff and progress as as I go. But yeah, it's a it's disappointing and yeah, just all this hacking stuff. I uh, Nintendo won't get on top of it. It's not going to be something that's going to be fixed through a lawsuit or suing someone. Um, These websites get shut down. They either start up a new website or someone else starts it up. Or yeah, yeah, it's um, it's it's uh, it's going to be a thing that's going to be sticking around, but. Hopefully it doesn't um, ruin too many uh, people's gameplay experiences. All right. So this is another article from Nintendo Life, and the title is Animal Crossing Director Wants to Make New Horizons the Best Game Possible. And while that sounds very obvious, I thought it would be a fun article to bring up anyway. So the article reads, uh, we all have a favorite entry in um in any long-running video game series, and when it comes to Nintendo's life simulator Animal Crossing, it's likely no different. It seems like Animal Crossing New Horizons director um, Ayaya kojuyaku <laughs> i am so bad at names—I'm awful—completely uh, understands this and makes sure to respect the memories and affection players have of the older entries. In saying this, each um, during each development cycle of New Animal Crossing. Of a new Animal Crossing game, the team always aims to outdo the previous entry. Uh, Koyo Guku uh, <laughs> uh, recently spoke about this in detail with the new French outlet Twenty Minutes. Twenty Minutes, are you serious? Is there an outlet called Twenty Minutes? <laughs> Twenty Minutes. Well, is that like the is that the offshoot of uh, Thirty Minutes? Well, no, Sixty Minutes in Australia isn't it? 30, Twenty Minutes. <laughs> It's like oh, we're we're just like the the condensed uh, sixty minutes. We just we pump it out in twenty minutes. Boom. Um, here's the full translation on Twitter by the user JMac857, and this is and the translation is via Nintendo Everything. Um, so quote: With each development cycle, we always want to ensure that the most recent entry is the best possible. It was the case with New Leaf and still is with New Horizons. But everyone, in particular the fans have their favorite game in the series. I believe it's part of the charm of having long-running seri- uh, long-running franchises like Animal Crossing. Players talk about the differences, the evolution from one game to another. Uh, we don't want to ruin the memories and the affection they have for the older games. We want to always keep that in mind. We actually want to keep the memories they have experienced during their lives in the different Animal Crossing games, as well as all of the events of their lives that they had uh, traversed um, at the game while they were playing new horizons arguably offers players the most freedom yet you start with a blank ca- canvas and can now craft items furniture and public works terraform your island and decide who stays and who goes um, and it goes on with the, the sales and all that stuff so it's a uh, you know pretty obvious but i thought it was nice to just to bring up a quote from uh, the director, even though I cannot pronounce their name because I'm bad enough at English names, let alone Japanese names. Unless I unless I hear it and I can <laughs> repronounce it, it's all good. So let's move into some Xander Blade Chronicles uh, news and uh, thoughts. So this is from my Nintendo News. And uh, a Nintendo Treehouse rep says that Xander Blade Chronicles Definitive Editions lip sync has been redone. So earlier this week, Roger Base uploaded a preview of Xenoblade Chronicles Definitive Edition and the future connected epilogue to his YouTube channel. In the preview, Rogers is joined by Rob from Nintendo Treehouse to showcase the game. According to Rob, Monolith Soft has redone the game's lip syncing. We've included Roger Base's video if you want to go and check it out. Um, so you can go and check out the actual discussion on Roger Base's channel who is a Nintendo America... Partner, affiliate, or whatever you want to call them, and it is—it is nice that they have redone the, uh, I guess, the lip syncing because uh, back on the original game, it was a bit ordinary. So it's good that uh, it might be a bit more believable because I know if like the lip syncing isn't necessarily like synced up that well with what's actually being said, it can just take you out of the game straight away. You're just constantly thinking about the mouth because when you're when you're watching a character, you think you're looking at their eyes and their face and their mouth. That is the main part you're looking at. And if that's not believable, probably the rest of the world isn't going to be that believable either, no matter how pretty and gorgeous that game looks. Um, But over the last week, there's been a lot of Xenoblade Chronicles Chronicles Definitive Edition previews, and a lot of uh, big sites, small sites have been posting about it. And I want to bring up... um, Uh, my friend Dash from dashgamer.com. He put up a preview and I'll read the first paragraph just to give you an idea of what he thought. And a quote from Dash, uh, the Nintendo Wii's legacy holds some of the most memorable titles in not only its generation, but gaming history itself. The uh, The fact that Monolith Soft JRPG classic Xenoblade Chronicles sits comfortably next to its sequel is a testament to how timeless the franchise truly is. Only scratching the surface of its gargantuan campaign, I've already realized its impact and how it innovated an entire generation of seamless role-playing titles that came after. Remembering it as a marvel for Nintendo's best-selling console, it ranks high among the cream of the crop, and deservedly so. Uh, Xenoblade Chronicles proves to be an institution with its third rendition, on the Nintendo Switch, re-releasing a near decade after its inception. So I'm going to leave a link to Dash's full preview in the show notes. Uh, Please go and have a a read. I had a read through, and after reading his preview, I'm like, it's exactly what we sort of want. We want that game to be remastered in its full beauty. Um, From the screenshots, it looks really nice. And uh, from Dash's impressions of the game, from playing it for uh, a few hours, it it seems to be holding up to that. So it's really exciting. Um, At the moment, um, game journalists and uh, YouTube creators and that do have the game. They are playing at the moment for review. Um, We do not have it because we are small old House of Mario. So it is what it is, but... Um, looking forward to this game when it comes out at the end of the month. I'm looking forward to getting into it and uh, doing a bit of content around it in the uh, in the future because um, it will take a while to sort of get through that game, especially for me because I seem to be a bit slower <laughs> getting through some of these games. Um, but moving on, so this is about a, uh, a Nintendo Direct that uh, is not going to happen. So also from my oh, also from Nintendo Life, and the title is: It doesn't sound like a Nintendo Direct will be happening anytime soon. And the article reads, At the end of April, Beats Jeff Grubb said there wouldn't be a Nintendo Direct taking place this June. A few days earlier, Eurogamer published a story supporting the original post. Now Jeff has provided an update. Nintendo supposedly has no upcoming Direct presentations planned at all right now. It has apparently told development partners with big announcements to not wait around for the next broadcast. And this is a quote. Earlier this month, I reported Nintendo isn't planning a Direct for June. As an update to that, I'll add that Nintendo isn't planning a Direct at all for now. It's telling development part- partners not to wait for a Direct, even if they have a big announcement. End quote. In terms of upcoming first-party person 1st first announcements, Jess said that Nintendo will con- continue to surprise fans, as it did with the reveal of Paper Mario The Origami King last week. He expects that rumored games he previously spoken about to show up. Uh, another quote from Jeff, um, and that's and that's coming. And what's coming is Pikmin 3 Deluxe, Mario 3D Remasters, and Super Mario 3D World Deluxe. End quote. Um, he says there might be some surprises beyond this, but Nintendo may have but Nintendo may have to wait until I can start doing these directs again. Okay, gotcha. So there are going to be no directs in June, um, uh, I guess, when E3 would typically take place, um, presumably because of what's going on, moving assets around. And we 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 saw with our Xbox's event, was it a week ago or two weeks ago? I actually can't remember. Time's kind of going fast and slow at the same time. But they were getting assets from, I guess, uh, third parties, bringing them, getting sent to microsoft microsoft they're sort of uh their people were doing their videos at home through their webcams and their headsets and presumably that's all being sent to an editor to edit all together um, with nintendo sort of all spread apart not working well not working at the office working from home um, whether that's because at home they just don't have the resources like a powerful enough computer good internet um maybe they just they don't want to go the route Microsoft went and just use headsets and that and they can't get a hold of microphones and a decent camera maybe that's the case or maybe i think more of the case would be is Nintendo is pretty secretive so um getting all of these trailers potentially leaked through maybe an email that went the wrong place or maybe something like that i'm i'm not quite sure but that that might be one of the reasons why we're not seeing um Direct come together because I assume it's a it's a big it's a big gargantuan sort of effort to get some of these um things organised, but I guess uh, going on to uh, the Paper Mario announcement, which was really cool. I was actually it was like it was ten thirty p.m. my time. Um, the Origami King got announced, and I was laying in bed. I was on my phone. I was going through it. I put it down and I actually got a message from Bryce and he said, well, what a new paper Mario game? And I'm like, hell are you on about? And I go back to Twitter only like five minutes after I put it down and there it was, it was everywhere. You know, people were retweeting it. Um, Nintendo had it right on my, my feed there. And uh, really, really uh, quite cool. <laughs> new paper Mario game out of nowhere. Uh, and it seems to be somewhat going back to um, I guess the, Old school Paper Mario games. We, I guess, a lot of people and a lot of the fans were hoping the series would go back to. Not exactly what it was going back to, but um, almost there. I think. Hopefully, it's a up upper, upper trend for the series. So this is from a press release from Nintendo Australia themselves, and they and just for the game they say, um, "Are you ready for your fun to increase?" Tenfold? Well, here's a special invitation to a colourful paper-filled world has arrived. Join Princess Peach, Mario and Luigi in attending the Kingdom's Origami Festival when, when Pope Mario the Origami King launches exclusively for Nintendo Switch on the 17th of July. There's one tiny wrinkle in the festivities though. Princess Peach seems to be acting a little strange lately. To learn more about her mischievous behaviour. Check out the Paper Mario Origami King arriving on July 17th. they gotta, they got to pump in that uh, 17th release date, don't they? Um, also, also, early purchasers can preload the game today from Tenoe Shop, so it's already up for pre order. We know that. Um, it seems um, as if King Ollie, who claims to be the ruler of the Origami Kingdom, has hashed a devious plot to be unleashing his plan to fold the entire kingdom. It looks pretty dangerous on paper. So someone who's a cut above the rest is needed to save the day. In Paper Mario Origami King, Mario faces one of the most thrilling challenges yet. Uh, Just when it matters, just when matters couldn't get worse. King Ollie has bound Princess Peach's castle in giant colored uh, streamers and transformed it into a distant mountain. He's even transformed Bowser's minions into Fold Soldiers and enlisted them in his treacherous cause. Luckily, Mario is equipped with a range of new tools at his disposal to to help secure victory. His new ability called 1000 Fold Arms allows players to interact with the landscape by stretching out and pulling, peeling and revealing new locations, helping you to solve puzzles and uncover Um, unexpected surprises along the way players will uh, enlist the help of uh, allies new uh, old and new such as king ollie's very own good-natured sister olivia along with a range of unlikely allies even bowser himself um, hasn't yet folded to the whims of king ollie's origami will and mario will accept all help he can find with open arms. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> so many puns in this. Very, uh, very, very interesting. Papamari Origami King introduces new uh, a new ring-based battle system that allows players to flex their puzzle-solving skills and line up scattered enemies to maximize damage. While the enemies may be crafted from paper, these dynamic turn-based battles are far from stationary. (laughs) Jesus Christ. (laughs) It will require a sharp mind to make short work of these crafty enemies. Uh, With a detail-rich world to explore, um, off-the-wall minigame (laughs) events and countless mysteries are Mysteries waiting to be solved. The next joyful Mario adventure on Nintendo Switch is ready to deliver a huge helpings of laugh, of laughs. Okay, so um, that's uh, basically what the press release is. And I guess jumping into the, the battle system, a lot of people are looking back at Paper Mario 64 and Paper Mario The Thousand Year Door on Nintendo GameCube as like the, the pinnacle of the series. And that's when the third... Also, oh, the um the battle system was really prominent, and I guess uh, people really liked those games. That is when people look back at the series and say, "That's that's when it was good." And you know, I agree with those. I enjoyed my time with Paper Mario sixty four, and haven't actually played a Thousand a Year Door. Actually, I think I started it, but I didn't really get into it that much. Um, just because I <clears throat> emulated it, and uh, when I emulate stuff, I don't really have that much drive to uh, keep going and finishing it. Um. But people are looking, looking at the last few titles on 3DS with Sticker Star and uh, the painting one, which I forgot the name of, which I never played because it came out in 2016. In 2016, I was uh, not really into the Wii U. I was kind of over it by then. Um, but looking at those games, they completely ripped out of ripped out the uh, turn-based battle mechanics and they replaced the uh, the battles with uh, using stickers or cards and they had their own different mechanics. And now in this game, it's using its own type of uh, mechanic. It's still It's gone back to sort of turn-based, but it is different. Um, it is based on sort of turning a wheel to line up enemies and uh, having a bit more of a puzzle element rather than like timing your jumps and timing your attacks and things like that. Um, which you know, I think this uh, new system could be quite fun. I think it 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 looks like it at least has like the leveling up and uh, those type of mechanics w- which were missing from the stickers. Like in Sticker Star, you didn't actually level up; you just like got stickers, and there was no like the progression wasn't rewarding. There was no reward in actually doing it. So if they bring back the levels at least, and it's, I think it could be fun. Um, but I think just looking at it apart from the battle mechanics, I think the battle mechanic for the actual puzzle um, gameplay will be fun. I think it will be good. Have to play it to actually experience it. And it comes out and as the press release said, like a million times, uh, the seventeenth. So we don't ha- we only have a couple of months to wait. So that's uh, really great. But just with in the trailer how it showed traversing the uh, the overworld itself using Mario's thousand-fold arms to, like, interact with the world, to discover secrets, to discover other pathways. I think that's going to be a lot of fun just exploring the world, regardless of the battle mechanics. I think just, like, how open some of those worlds looked, it showed, like, the desert, it showed a town, and it showed Mario, like, lifting up to, like, reveal, like, a door on top of a barn and stuff like that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun just exploring every nook and cranny in some of these areas, for the games. And if there's lots of exploration is if there's a uh, interesting um, side characters, which follow you, which it shows that Bowser and a few other main characters do follow along and they have interesting dialogue. Um, and you're running into NPCs with, you know, funny witty humor, which paper Mario and the Mario RPG series in general have had absolutely fantastic localization from Nintendo Treehouse. I think it's going to be a lot of fun, man. I think it's going to be great. I've, th- just that that battle system is in in the air for a lot of people, but I think uh, I think it's going to work out okay. It might not be like a nine out of ten; it might be a seven or an eight out of ten on the Metacritic or so, or people's own opinion. But it's going to be it's going to be a fun game regardless. Uh, just on the release date as well, um, Ghost of Tsushima from um, PlayStation Studios um, from Sucker Punch. Uh, as well was um, (laughs) that game is also coming out on the 17th, which is funny because like they did like their big state of play um, PlayStation announcement, like finally showing gameplay for that game, even though it's only like two months away. Like we really didn't know know much about that game um, from Sucker Punch, but um, Nintendo just comes out saying, yeah, we got a game too. Here it is. And it's coming out the same day. Um, It's obviously a very different type of game, but it is like, I was listening to um the guys on the Dash Gamer podcast last night. and They're saying like, oh, you know, they're very different audiences, but I don't know, man. Like, I'm I'm interested. I'm very interested in both of those games. And now that they're coming out the same day, I'm like, well, that's a, that's a bit a bit annoying because like I have I'm probably going to play Paper Mario over Ghost of Tsushima just for the fact that you know I'm I'm running a Nintendo podcast, so I'm going to have to be talking about that and experiencing that to sort of talk about it and. You know, um, as, as far as Ghost of the Shimmer goes too, I'm not, I'm not aching for it necessarily. I just like keeping up with PlayStation's exclusives because um, they're typically fantastic, as a you know a lot of people know. But yeah, we don't have to double on that too much. So yeah, it's really cool. And um, at the end of the trailer, it did show that Paper Mario was wearing a Samus helmet as well. Um, and a lot of people are speculating like, oh, what does this mean? Does this mean, a Nintendo teasing uh, a Metroid Prime trilogy? Are they teasing Metroid Prime 4 information coming soon? Is there a new 2D Metroid game coming, the Switch? Metroid, 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 what's going on with Metroid? And as much like, as, like we're not getting Metroid Prime 4 information this year. Not going to happen. I think most people know that, but. In case you're, in case you're holding on to any hope, not going to happen this year. Um, they're still looking. They're still putting job listings out there. Uh, coronavirus is, you know, unfortunately going to delay that game because I think Metro Prime Four is at the stage of development where uh, delays like this are really going to hurt it. It's working from home, um, Retro Studios based in Texas, you know, it's not going to. It's just, it's just not, not an ideal situation for development of that game. Um, a trilogy. On Switch would be fantastic. I'm yet to actually experience that trilogy um, properly. So having that on Switch would be really great. And I think it's important that they put out a trilogy before before, um, Prime 4 as well, because like a lot of people haven't played the Metroid trilogy that came out early 2000s. People that were born when Metroid Prime 1 came out are 18 years old now. And the GameCube sold the ha- half amount um, of consoles as the Switch has at the moment. About 22 million. The Switch is now 55 million. There are a lot of people have, who have not experienced Metroid. So they need to put out a trilogy before four. Um, so I think this year will be a great year if they've got it ready to go. Um, but I don't think they were hinting towards a Metroid game. I think they'll maybe be hinting towards. Um, more Nintendo sort of characters in Paper Mario. So whether it's that Samus helmet, um, whether it's like a, a Link helmet <laughs> hat, I don't know. I think there's going to be more sort of Nintendo stuff in that game and whether that means like Amiibo support. So you scan in a Samus Amiibo and that Samus helmet pops up and you can scan King Dedede and a big King Dedede head you can put on Paper Mario. I don't know. But I don't think it's necessarily a hint towards another Nintendo game, but I could be wrong. And if a Metroid news just come out and there's another Metroid game coming to switch this year, that would be awesome. I would absolutely love that very much. There are, yeah, I've been, uh, been talking for a fair while. Holy crap. Moving on to an hour and 20 minutes. If you're still with us, thank you very much. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, moving on to, I guess the, the last news article, um, from Nintendo Life is that the Paper Mario Switch reveal adds more weight to a Nintendo 64, uh, Mario 64, uh, Mario Sunshine and a Mario Galaxy remaster. So, as we all know, there were the reports that came out or the rumors that came out that there's going to be a remaster of the three main Mario uh, 3D games as well as a Paper Mario game. So now we've got the Paper Mario game. So, there are some things adding up in these rumors, and uh, I'll read from the article So today's reveal, so this is from obviously a few days ago now of uh, Paper Mario, the origami King for Nintendo switch has confirmed several things, like the fact that paper that the fact that the Paper Mario franchise will be making its switch debut this summer and that we're suddenly all feeling a desperate need to quickly play through the past games of the series Uh, but it also adds weight to those mario remaster rumors from earlier in the year Uh, as you may remember a report from vgc told us that nintendo is planning to launch remaster releases of most of super mario's 35 year back catalog this year The report was also backed up by Eurogamer and owning to the credibility of both sources. Many are assuming the reports are to be true. Uh, For all we know, announcements for such releases might be just around the corner. However, the initial reports that also stated that several other Mario titles will be launching in 2020, including a new Paper Mario game. There's a long way to go for sure. Uh, But with the first game announcement now correctly predicted, we're even more open to the idea of the rest following suit. We could see similar announcements to today's staggering throughout the rest of the year. So when this got announced, it does add a lot of credibility to the rumors and I guess the leaks that we are getting remasters or ports or whatever they are of these three Mario games and to me i i sort of accept them now as being real obviously with a grain of salt but i do think these games are coming this year it makes a lot of sense with mario's um big anniversary and uh, uh, 35th anniversary um and it will be a massive driver for sales come christmas time having both you know nostalgia having mario th- mario 3d games it's just going to be a really um, impressive product I think to uh, push through Christmas time and it, it also it's also a game that or oh, several games that won't take as much resources you know developing a say an Odyssey 2 or another Mario game or just any type of game it's so uh, it's going to be a really exciting time when these get announced because I can I can tell you right now if they announce a Super Mario 64 port it's just a port it looks a bit nicer. Nothing too crazy. It's pretty much the same game. I'm gonna be like, "Oh, cool! I'll play it. I'm gonna buy it." Um, but if they do a complete remaster of Super Mario 64 in say the Mario Odyssey engine, it's gonna look. It's gonna make me cry. <laughs> <laughs> like I, the, the love I have for Super Mario 64 is huge, and when they did throwback, um, throwbacks to the levels in Super Mario Galaxy 2 through the throwback uh, levels. Um it was so amazing going back and seeing them in nicer graphics and updated physics in that. It was just amazing. And especially now in HD in like the having the whole game remastered uh it's just I cannot wait. I want Super Mario 64 especially remastered right now. Uh Super Mario Sunshine that's a game I spent the least time with in the series so it's going to be great to sort of dig into that and enjoy it. And Super Mario Galaxy that is a perfect game it was only topped by the sequel but my god that super mario galaxy from the music to the presentation to the characters to, to everything about it and it, the fact that it was originally running on wii um a huge testament to what nintendo can do when they really focus on making uh games for their own hardware um so man i want it so bad I want it so bad but that's, uh, that's pretty much all, all the time we got for this week's episode. So I'm going to leave it there. It's been a long episode. And, man, I'm surprised I can uh, sit here and talk for an hour and a half by myself. It's kind of weird. But going on next week, I'm hoping Bryce will be back. We'll go back to our usual shenanigans talking about whatever the hell we talk about. <laughs> Probably Nintendo for the most part, I would assume. But it will be nice to sort of get back into a more normal schedule. And... Um, I am sort of thinking about doing some more Nintendo focused solo projects in the future, um, both podcasts and YouTube. So if you guys do enjoy this, because I know I do enjoy doing it by myself, I think it's a lot of fun. It's different to uh, doing it with Bryce or a guest or a co host. Um, so that's why I've sort of taken, I guess, the last month or so just to be able to do this, maybe, um, I guess uh, sharpen my skills a bit just doing solo podcasting, but I don't know if I don't know if that was necessarily what people tuned into us for. They wanted the back and forth banter, or they just want the news, or whatever. But I definitely appreciate you guys tuning in, um, whether I have a guest, whether I have a co-host, or whether I'm by myself. I really appreciate it, and uh, hopefully you got something out of this episode and enjoyed it. So. Everybody, thank you very much for listening to The House of Mario episode 142. If you'd like to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at idruby. You can follow the show at The House of Mario. You can also follow us on Facebook, which I never say. We're at The House of Mario on Facebook. But I don't say Facebook because Facebook kind of sucks. Like I went, I go in there every now and again and there's also, there's some Facebook groups I like being in and, you know, I post a photo from my Instagram or something like that. But apart from that, Facebook sucks. It really does suck. So, you know, we are there if you want. And we do have a Patreon, right? patreon.com slash RideRuby, where uh, you can get some bonus content and stuff like that. And we're looking to be revamping that in the future, along with some other podcasts I'm launching hopefully within the next week. So stay tuned to my uh, social media on Twitter to uh, learn more about that. So, Nintendo Jukebox this week is something I find really, really quite heartwarming. So I did find this through Nintendo Life, which I've found a lot of my information through uh, this week's episode. So shout out to Nintendo Life, My Nintendo News, Nintendo Enthusiast. These are all great websites. And obviously Vooks.net as well um, from the Australian perspective. But Nintendo Life, they have an article um, showcasing a music video from... um, Who's it from? It's from the big, uh, the bit, oh, the eight-bit big band, um, who I listen to quite a lot on Spotify, and they had an article, and it says uh, there aren't, they aren't, <laughs> there aren't many things that can make life light. The main thing was Super Smash Bros. Ultimate any more epic, but having it played by six hundred and sixty-four people at the same time sure comes close. The YouTube channel Eight Bit Big Bang has shared a new video showing exactly that. We have 664 musicians from around the world coming together to record themselves remotely for the project. Co-organizing... I can't say it. Some words tonight are just not coming to me. Um, co-organizing... Uh, uh, it's not working. I'm going to skip it. And then editing all those recordings together sounds like an absolute nightmare. So props to the talented folks who made it happen. And this is a quote from the big, uh, from 8-Bit Big Band. During the unfortunate events of COVID-19, I wanted to create a way for musicians and video game fans to come together virtually to work together on a piece of music we could all be proud of and celebrate our love for the great video games songbook together. So, in the times we're going through now, a lot of us are stuck inside. Some might be jobless, some might be struggling. But what we do have together, at least we can tune in and still sort of interact with one another, whether it's through listening to podcasts, watching YouTube videos, jumping onto Skype and using technology to really bring us together. And it is really such an epic way of just using uh, technology because I think a lot of us forget how powerful technology our communication devices are and we've got our phone in our pocket all the time, but I barely use my phone for phone calls. And I think we forget that we can connect to each other on such a big level and having 664 people come together to do life, life life, life light um, together is just, just really heartwarming. So we're ending this week's episode with the eight bit, eight bit, big bang. Uh, <laughs> That's a mouthful to say, I've got to admit. Um, Their orchestral version of Life Life. Life Light. Jesus. Anyway, I think I'd really have to go. I'm really uh, falling over my words. So enjoy the song. And I'll see you next week for an episode of The House of Mario. But until then, the doors are closed. Catch you later. was that. Holy shit. (laughs) Go and check out their video. It's on YouTube. Oh my God.